0: Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, my name is Peter Klein, thank you very much for tuning in today. A lot of the focus today going to be on the National Football League Playoffs. Who needs the Super Bowl the most? Obviously, they would all like it the most. But who needs it the most? We will get into that, we will get into NFL awards, with a little bit of hockey talk at the end um thank you all so much for tuning in if you are watching on youtube make sure to like the video subscribe to the channel um if you are listening in podcast form make sure you hit subscribe as well and remember to leave a review so missed you guys yesterday um but just i've been doing mornings over at 960. that ended today um this go around anyway so a little tired and just decided well let's make today a two-parter so that's the plan we will get five episodes this week it's just a matter of if uh uh, today will be a two-parter or tomorrow when I have a bit more sleep uh, will be the two-parter. But obviously so much going on in the the world of sports right now. Um, We're going to get into on the either part two of this one today or tomorrow going to get into the all the coaching news and, and everything like that but just absolutely bonkers everything that is going on right now so um one more time follow me on social media i am at primetime klein twitter instagram and tiktok twitch.tv slash primetime pk and you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com let's talk some football Alright, Super Bowl is... I was going to give the number and I totally blanked on which Super Bowl it is. But the Super Bowl is coming up uh, in a few weeks time. There are 14 teams remaining with a shot at the uh, biggest prize in professional football. So today, I'm going to go through and rank them from uh, least to most. And who needs this championship the most. We begin with the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the team that needs this Super Bowl the least. They just won one. So, um, well, yes, like Mahomes, Legacy, all of those sorts of things, every year Mahomes doesn't win one is one year that he doesn't get closer to Tom Brady in the pursuit of being the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. So, um, that makes things tricky for him. But, they, they just won it. Expectations are very low, given how this team has uh, produced offensively throughout the regular season. And so I, I do think, like, you don't want to waste this opportunity with Kelsey. You don't want to waste uh, prime years of, of Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to waste prime years of this defense and how well they are playing. But they just won it a year ago. No one's going to be calling for any jobs or anything like that if they lose this football game uh coming in at 13 it is the houston texans they are playing with found money they have a franchise quarterback for the first time in a very long time they have a franchise quarterback uh out there in houston i guess not a very long time forget deshaun watson uh but yeah deshaun watson was that but they have a franchise quarterback now and they have a coach that they can really build around as well out there in houston maybe that's the thing they haven't had in a really long time but they're in a really good spot right now and this feels more like the beginning than the culmination for them. Again, you don't want to waste prime years, you don't want to waste years on rookie deals for young quarterbacks, but they they have already not wasted that here in year one. Um, At 12, it is the Green Bay Packers. They have, again, it's kind of found money. No one was expecting them to be at this point after the the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Now Jordan Love is, is coming in and this is more about getting experience and getting reps than it is about competing for a championship. Obviously, they're going to try to compete, but th- this is not a team that has Super Bowl expectations. I, I don't know if they have divisional round expectations, to be perfectly frank with you, but they are certainly in a spot now where it feels like something really good is building out in Green Bay. At 11, it is the LA Rams. Um, They just won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And again, expectations were not high. And for Matthew Stafford, like, for him, there maybe is a bit more pressure because he's not going to have many shots at this left. But this was supposed to be the time where they were paying for um, everything that they sold to get that one great Super Bowl run, and they're not. that They have a great young receiver in Puka Nakua, they have a decent young running back in Kyron Williams, um, you have a superstar in Cooper Cup, ditto for Aaron Donald, and you have one of the best coaches in the league in Sean McVay. So this, this to me is like a bit of pressure because it's Matthew Stafford, but not a ton out there for the Rams. At 10, it is Tampa Bay. Uh, They get in here because their division sucks. This is a transitional time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they're a bit more removed from their their Super Bowl a couple of years ago than the the, the Rams are, so they get one notch higher on this. For Baker Mayfield, it would be quite the the, the run. You know, first first round quarterback who is, uh, first overall pick, sorry, who is playing for a Super Bowl like that, checks out. Um, it, It certainly would be an interesting chapter in the Baker Mayfield career, but to get to this point is is pretty impressive for Tampa Bay. At nine, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they probably, I made this list before we knew the extent of TJ Watts injury. They honestly probably moved down to like 14, honestly, but uh, again, you have a, a year with Mike Tomlin um, with some really good weapons around and a, a great defense. Even without T.J. Watt, it's a pretty good defense. So you, you don't want to waste it, but there isn't – no one's going to be clamoring for any jobs if um, if they lose this game. Mike Tomlin has established himself as um, one of the, the best coaches in the history of the National Football League. At eight, it's the Cleveland Browns. They they have a bit more pressure just because of the money they have invested in Deshaun Watson. And obviously, he's not going to be playing in these games. But they have put a lot into getting uh, Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. And so when you put that type of a, a financial investment into your team, it ups the ante a little bit. Figuratively and literally, I suppose. It, it really ups the pressure for what this team is expected to do. And it also kind of limits the shots at this that you have. This defense is elite, but when you are putting in that much money to a quarterback, will you be able to keep all of the elite pieces on that defense? We will see. So there's a bit more pressure on them, but... It, it's with Joe Flacco, so there, there isn't as much, for sure. At 7, it is the Miami Dolphins. Um, this is kind of the, the the first real full year of really maximizing what this offense could do. There's a lot of questions around Tua Tungavailoa, and maybe there's more pressure on him than some of these other quarterbacks who are going to be ahead of him, because um, he needs to prove that he can be this guy. The, the guy who, like, the, the tank for Tua at the start of that season um, and then at the start of his draft year, and then his draft year does not necessarily go the way that he would have wanted it to. And the start of his career certainly hasn't gone the way that he would have wanted it to with injury issues and things of that nature. So th- there's a lot of pressure on him to show that he can be a championship caliber quarterback. He hasn't really shown it in the regular season against championship caliber teams. So the pressure is on this team to put a, a run together. It's going to be difficult going into Arrowhead though, in the wild card weekend at six Um, we have the Detroit Lions. Maybe there's a bit more pressure on Miami here, but Detroit, they haven't been to this, um, they haven't hosted a playoff game since 1993. They, um, I I think some people could argue that there's a bit of a a found money thing going on here with Detroit as well, but Jared Goff's contract is coming up soon, and I I think we, we have talked for a while on this show about how... Lacking in quality, I think this Detroit Lions team really is. And I think that this is going to be a run that either establishes that or makes me shut the fuck up. Um, And so I think that there is, though, an aspect when you look at the division that they are in, Minnesota made some real noise without much at the quarterback position this year. The Chicago Bears are either going to have – uh, just a, a bounty of draft picks coming in, or a guy who a lot of people, at least going into this year, thought was going to be a franchise generational talent in Caleb Williams. So Chicago's going to be better. And I think we've established the Green Bay Packers have figured some shit out. So like the, the, their, their focus is going to be on the defensive side of the ball this year. Maybe a little bit in helping out Jordan Love a little bit more. But the, the, um, the, the Packers are coming. This division that was all of a sudden a cakewalk in there for Detroit to take for a bit... It ain't so much anymore and so I do think there's a bit of pressure to kind of prove this concept out in Detroit at five it's Baltimore um they have had a lot of regular season success but since winning the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco uh, now over a decade ago they have, not had a ton of playoff success. And specifically Lamar Jackson has not had a lot of playoff success at all. Um he he's been figured out a number of different times and he has put some of his worst performances of the year on display. In the postseason this is a time where lamar jackson i, I think has an opportunity like he, he got his money now he needs the, the the success now he needs to shut everyone up and prove that he can be a championship winning quarterback and that this concept that detroit has fully bought into can be a, a championship concept as well at four it's the buffalo bills um i i would suggest if the bills don't make it at least to the AFC Championship game. It would be considered a disappointment given where some of the hype was um, around this team. Although, coming off of the playoff loss last year, maybe there wasn't as much hype around some people, but I would say internal expectations are that this is a a championship-caliber team. And Sean McDermott has had a lot of controversy around him, and this has not been a perfect season for him by any stretch of the imagination, but they're peaking at the right time. But it, it can't just be, oh man, they were close anymore this team needs to take that next step and so they have like this i I would say this is a bit of a tear break here where um like baltimore well yeah lamar needs to prove whatever buffalo now they have all the goodwill of man they've won their first playoff game since a billion years ago All of that goodwill, I think, has kind of worn away. It has been too many years of being a Super Bowl contender and falling short in the biggest moments they need to make a push here. Uh, At three, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they won one just a few years ago, but this is basically an entirely new regime. And they got so close a season ago, and you have a lot of veterans on this team who it kind of feels like it it could have some uh, Last Dance vibes with this Philadelphia Eagles squad. And so that's why, like, there isn't pressure on them based on how the last five weeks have gone, but just looking at the overall, like, oh man, they kind of need to capitalize on this era of Philadelphia Eagles football they kind of need that right now. And it's going to take a a, a Herculean effort to get over what has gone on in the regular season, but they kind of need it at two. It's the Dallas Cowboys. They are perpetually in this spot until they get it. Um, they, they really do need a big run. And I think Mike McCarthy needs a big run. I think Dak Prescott needs a big run. Jerry Jones is always going to be there, but this team has all of this attention and does not shy away from any of the hype around it, and they have had some heartbreaking losses at postseason time. But you now have a defense that looks monstrous. You have maybe the best defensive player in the sport in Micah Parsons, an offense that has found another gear with CeeDee Lamb finding another gear, and Dak Prescott seems to have been unleashed this year. Everything has clicked now for Dallas to get them at least to the NFC Championship game. But the pressure is always on, the Dallas Cowboys, to win the Super Bowl. And at one, it's the San Francisco 49ers. They have a juggernaut of a football team. They have a coach who has been heralded as a genius. But that proof of concept hasn't gotten all the way yet. And so, there, I don't think Kyle Shanahan loses his job without winning the Super Bowl, but they are now in Super Bowl or bus territory out in San Francisco. This is a storied franchise that has put together a remarkable roster of talent, but it needs to capitalize now. And this Brock Purdy experiment has a lot on the line here. This roster that is difficult to construct given the the constraints of the salary cap has a lot on the line. And they're getting older too, right? Like, George Kittle is not always a healthy guy. Trent Williams has to break down at some point. um, Defensively, they're pretty young. But... That they have some pieces that are gonna start to wear down. That this is this is a time where they feel like they are significantly better than everyone in their conference. At least they need to, I, I think, put it all together here. So I think the most pressure is on them. So that is who needs it the most for the Super Bowl this year. Um, MV or NFL awards now. Uh, th- these are my picks for some of the main ones. We will start with the most valuable player. I know it's probably going to Lamar Jackson. To me, there is no. question. Question. It is Christian McCaffrey. Um, what he is able to do for that offense and how he is able to, w- with his dynamic playmaking, with his strong running ability, he is the most complete running back we've seen in the NFL in a very long time. And with, I know there's all the weapons out there in San Francisco, but with a seventh round quarterback, he has been the, 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 steadying force that has got this team there. If he is not playing on San Francisco, I don't think they're the one seed in the NFC this year. They got a lot of great pieces there for sure, but he is the one that kind of brings that all together and gives them that special punch that really makes this offense elite. So that's why to me, Christian McCaffrey should be the most valuable player. In the NFL this season. Uh defensive player of the year, it has to go to Miles Garrett. Um, I said before, Micah Parsons is probably the most talented defensive player in the league, but Miles Garrett has been front and center for the most dominant defense in the National Football League this season. It has been a game-changing defense. Uh, you can make an argument for Miles Garrett to be the MVP given what's going on in Cleveland. They have had four quarterbacks, I guess technically, after how week 18 played out five quarterbacks this season, and here they are in the postseason. Favored in week one uh, on Super Wild Card Weekend. And it is all because of that game wrecker on the defensive side of the football. So Miles Garrett, to me, is Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, this one's a no-brainer. It's CJ Stroud with how electric he can play on the offensive side, um, with how he has just single-handedly turned this franchise around from them being one loss away from having the first overall pick to now... Uh, winning a, a game to to seal a a an A, a, a F C South championship, sorry. And with what we all anticipated to be limited resources around him, it is just, it's a remarkable run that checks all the boxes that you are looking for. It really feels like he's a franchise quarterback. And that's why he is the offensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year, it's Jalen Carter. Uh, again, a game wrecker on the defensive side of the ball. Now, different to Miles Garrett, where this defense actually has significant holes, Jalen Carter ain't one of them. He has been spectacular so far this season. Uh, well, I shouldn't say so far this season. Season's done now. He was spectacular in everything you wanted. And I think. We're all going to look at the silliness of him dropping and realize that that was just an absolute gift to the Philadelphia Eagles. Last one here, coach of the year. It's Kevin Stefanski with the Cleveland Browns. Um, You could make very compelling cases for D'Amico Ryans out with the Houston Texans. But to me, Stefanski with everything that went on with Deshaun Watson this season and all the different quarterbacks that they worked their way through to be able to get this team now into the playoffs... I think you have to give him the credit that he deserves. Quickly, um, I, I, I wanna get into more detail on the coaching stuff on the, the show um, at some point later this week, but just some quick thoughts. The Tennessee Titans, um, I think, are setting their franchise back years and years and years by letting Mike Vrabel go. He is the exact coach you want to usher in a new era and kind of reestablish a culture there um, and, and to suggest that the failures of the Tennessee Titans have anything to do with coaching and aren't 100% on roster construction is whistling past the graveyard. So shame on the Tennessee Titans for that coaching change. Um, the The Seattle Seahawks in a surprise move have kind of let Pete Carroll go. Um, it sounds like he's going to be maybe an advisor, but it also sounds like he kind of wants to coach again. The this is one of the legendary coaching runs with what he did at USC and what he has done in Seattle. And I think a couple of years away from Russell Wilson has really reestablished what Pete Carroll is able to do as a, a coach, as a motivator, as a team builder, as a leader. And so any team would be incredibly lucky to have Pete Carroll come in as their head coach. Um, And Nick Saban announcing his retirement in a bit of a shocker out of Alabama. Um, The best coach in the history of college football. Just an absolutely incredible collegiate run. The pro level never really worked. But from a, a collegiate standpoint, to, like... You just simply do not have dynasties the way Alabama has had the last close to 20 years now. It is a remarkable, remarkable run for for Nick Saban, and there is no other way of saying it than the greatest coach in the history of college football announced his retirement today. Um, There's a lot of intriguing coaches out there to fill all of these vacancies, right? Um, The Alabama one is a bit different. Uh, I can't imagine Harbaugh moves from one college program to another. But you, you think about the NFL openings and the, the people who could potentially be there. Uh, Bill Belichick is, is one. We're not the highest on him, but he certainly is there. Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel are amazing options. And Jim Harbaugh, I think, is an amazing option as well. So there are there are some big big hitters out there. That, that could really make some noise in the coaching market for this upcoming season. Um, so just wanted to get into that. We'll get more into that as the week goes along. Some big stories coming out of the NHL this week. Want to dive into those now as we talk hockey. So... A real weird story this week with Cutter um being traded by the Philadelphia Flyers to the Anaheim Ducks. Gauthier is uh, the 2022 fifth overall pick and someone who was kind of the cornerstone of what was going to be the next great run for the Philadelphia Flyers. Except uh, no one told him that, apparently. He was saying that, according to the reporting that's out there now, he's saying that he wanted to... Basically burn an ELC year um, or at least get a, a run with the NHL team. And in the after his collegiate season was done, there was 19 games left in the regular season. He wanted to get, uh, he wanted to come up there and play. The Philadelphia Flyers would have been um, because of bonuses would have had an overage penalty on the cap next year. So they were like, uh, we can give you an AHL contract, but that's about it, because we don't want to pay overages going into next season. And he took that as go fuck yourself and ghosted the entire organization. The I cannot imagine having John LeClaire, Mark Recchi, and Daniel Briere calling me and be like, nah, man, I'm good. Um, th- there was some obvious miscommunication here along the way, and it pissed off the Philadelphia Flyers. I have never seen an entire organizational commitment to say, Fuck you to a kid more than we have seen from the Philadelphia Flyers. And you know what? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I think people are really underrating what Philadelphia got in this deal. Jimmy Drysdale, when healthy and when able to kind of put things together, I think has the capabilities of being an elite defenseman in the National Hockey League. That maybe is a ceiling that is a bit out of reach at this point, but I think it is in the realm of possibilities. If you play out Jimmy Drysdale's career 10 times, he is one of the best defensemen in the league. I think at least seven of them. I think the world of this kid's talent, and I think getting the fuck out of Anaheim is going to help him out a lot as well. Getting into a John Tortorella system, I think is going to do wonders for him. And what we'll, we'll see now, Gauthier... Headline's a real impressive list of talent out there in Anaheim. Uh, There's talk that they might move Zegras. That would be a move that I would um, endorse. I'm not a big Zegras fan. I think he is quite overrated. So we'll we'll see what happens out there in Anaheim. But just a a really weird trade and not something you ever see where two giant prospects are dealt. And the reasoning is, ah, fuck that kid. It, it It was so strange to see the Philadelphia Flyers all out attack on a university student this week, basically telling him go fuck himself. Um, and lastly, William Nylander's contract. I said I, I wasn't going to get into it on a Monday again. I was tired. Um, the The only issue I have is you are paying for best case scenario, and you know I never love that. Um, and now sometimes you have to, right? Like you, you especially he he he's a, a unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Th- those contracts generally aren't the most um, rational deals that, that are out there. So th- there's a, a lot that goes into it. William Nylander is worth $11.5 million. Now, I, I think that if the season ended today, he would probably get my heart vote. He has been that good for uh, for, for Toronto this season. Uh, he would get a heart vote, I guess. Um, Petterson's has got to be close. Midway point of the season. Maybe I'll look at this sometime next week or in the, the next couple of weeks here. But um, it, it is... It's a tricky one for Toronto because you have all of these big contracts, but the like the, the thing is right now they're going well, right? Like, maybe Marner isn't having the season that you would like, but the reason you pay these guys all this money and the reason you have four superstars is not so that you have four guys going at the same time. You just beat the piss out of everyone. It's that if one of them has an off game, well, the other one's going to fill in. And just the odds of all four of them sucking at the same time are minimal. The problem is that has happened almost exclusively in the playoffs. And that that becomes a, a bit of a tricky proposition, but the Nylander case doesn't fall into that because he has clearly been the best um, playoff performer of the, the core four out in Toronto. And so I, I think for the Leafs, you had to make this move. I don't think it's a bad move. I don't think it's gonna be one that they are going to, to regret. Um, I do think it puts a lot of pressure on Mitch Marner, who will be an expiring contract going into next season. And has been underperforming and seems to have been getting a lot of the attention now from the the Toronto fan base. So I think a lot of the attention now falls on him if this is going to be something that turns into a a big move out of Toronto. So just a couple of thoughts on on some of the, the NHL news and notes that have been going on throughout the week. That's going to do it for the show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, leave a rating and subscribe as well. My name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK and you can email this show, diary at yahoo.com. Um, if you wanted some more flames talk, I was on the big show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. We talked all about the Cow Cal- Calgary Flames. I'm also a regular, uh, one of the co-hosts on Game Over Calgary. Um, Alright, that should do it. Uh, Part 2 of this show, um, it it might come out tomorrow. Uh, We will see. I got a lot of work to do on this one, Uh, but we will have five episodes this week and they will all contain something about the NFL. Uh, We are going to have NFL Power Rankings coming up here, as well as the NFL Playoff Rankings. We'll see. Did the NFL get it right? Uh, we will uh, unveil the final playoff rankings there uh, and go more into the coaching changes across the NFL. On tomorrow's show, uh, it is about the Fantasy Football Awards. So we will get into that conversation as well. Friday, it is going to be Fights in Football Friday. Um, for YouTube watchers, I do think I'm going to just split those up. Um, for, for those in podcast form, we'll see um but i I do think going forward that the the fights in football friday is probably going to be a two-parter with fights and with the football um so that is that thank you all so much for tuning in and i'll talk to all y'all later